back to the Every Nation Campus Leadership Podcast. And we are continuing in our series, Faith and Leadership. And you're, let me say a few things before we get going with this episode. And I have a feeling it's going to be a long one, um, though you're re- listening to this after I've recorded it, so you would know whether that it's really long or not. But if you, you need to go back to the previous episode about the four common mistakes about faith and leadership. And really our goal with this mini-series is to help us integrate our faith with our leadership in order for us to to bring our, our, our force, you know, the, the, the great impetus and power of our faith into bear in our leadership. And we talked about four examples of or common mistakes that people make, uh, especially Christian leaders tend to make, you know, Christian fatalism and hyper quote-unquote spirituality and um, religious niceness as the objective of leadership and most importantly or most tragically shallow application where we use biblical methods with unbiblical aims. So again, the point of all of that is to help us see, okay, how does my faith help my leadership? And instead of that disintegrated, not integrated, unintegrated way of looking at it, what we want is an integrated form of leadership where we see how our faith is fully realized in our leadership. And our leadership is empowered, supercharged, guided by our faith. In fact, that's the that's the bottom line, the foundation of this podcast. We believe that you are called by God as a Christian to be a leader that's going to be effective in the world around us. And you being a Christian is going to help with that. It's about integrating faith and leadership. For today, we want to talk about using power, understanding power, even redeeming the gift of power. Leadership is all about ability, strength, and power. And these are words we need to redeem. These are words we need to see from a Christian perspective. Even now, as I've said those words, you're probably hearing it and thinking, "Uh, okay, where are you going with that? And that's because we don't often see the connection. In fact, we often see these words in a in a negative sense and that's why it's that because of that our faith and leadership are disconnected because leadership is all about strength all about power but if we think that our faith doesn't connect to that then we we don't know how to use it what does that look like this unintegrated sense of power maybe we might be apologetic or ashamed about the use of power You ever meet like a a really tall person who slouches naturally because they're so used to being tall and they've had to step down and after a while, not all of them obviously, but some people are are ashamed of being so tall so they naturally stoop. And many of us are the same way. We've got strengths, we have gifts, but we're wary about using them. We're almost apologetic about using them. We We live in a culture that feeds into this. Smart shaming, achievement shaming. Kung magaling ka, parang pinaparating ta, uy, tinan mo sinong magaling, oh, grabe, ang dahil mo alam. And you get mocked for it. We also have a world that's very anti-authority. You know, where any kind of authority is automatically bad. And so we're always like, well, I don't want to be the authority, I don't want to lead. But that's what leadership is, it's authority. And without being conscious of it, we can imbibe some of these mindsets into our leadership practice. And if we do that, it inhibits, it it stifles our leadership practice. And that's why we don't have an integrated form of leadership and faith. Some examples of this are false humility. When you can't accept the compliment, when you can't tell the truth about whether or not you did something good. 
You know, it's like, uh, well, galing mo naman kumanta. Ay, actually, hindi. Pangit nga eh. Why, do you, why are you lying? Kung pangit sasabihin namin, pangit, nakawag ka ng kumanta, please, wag mo nang ulitin. But if you're a good singer, sing. Just say thank you. I'm not saying brag about it. I'm not saying flaunt it. But don't be dishonest. And ask yourself, why do you feel the need to be dishonest? That's false humility. Could it be that you're apologetic about the ability that God gave you? Why? If it's given by God, why are we apologetic? Our mindset about strength and ability is not integrated. It's unhelpful when it's dishonest. Let me share a quick story about that. Um, I, I remembered, um, I knew I had crossed a milestone with one of my favorite people to work with, Pastor C.J. Nunag, who's our senior pastor in U-Belt now. And we were planning one of the you know various conferences and, and massive events that we planned together. And in this one particular event, uh, we were thinking of getting someone else to speak or this kind of setup, like an alternative to a preaching. And, and I, we checked it out and I saw the rehearsal and I called CJ and I said, CJ, I don't think it's going to work. Uh, he didn't see it. I, I said, I don't think it's going to work. I think this message is too nuanced. It's too tricky. And it needs someone of your caliber, someone like you who knows how to navigate the, who knows the points we're trying to make and can navigate around the pitfalls without setting them off. What did CJ say to that? Did he say, ah, no, no talaga. Did, did he do that customary, reject it, then I give it back, then reject it, then I give it back and only accept it on the third one? No. That would have been a waste of time. And he said to me, you know, okay, Joe, I trust you. I hear your point. And yeah, hearing you say that, I know what to do with it. Thank you. And before I hung up, I said, CJ, <laughs> I love working with you. Can you imagine how much trust you and I have now that I can, I can see a problem and think immediately, CJ has got the perfect gifts and ability for that. And you could say, you're, I receive it. Thank you. You're right. Let's do it together. No false humility. He's not apologetic about his use of power. But many of us are. What, what are other examples of this? Uh, uh, the need for unanimity to make a decision. A lack of decisiveness. You know, when the leader needs to, to get so much consensus and so much consensus and, because the leader is afraid to put their foot down and make the final call and say, no, thank you, I've heard all of you. This is what we're going to do. I was bouncing this off to my wife. And Carla said, you know, that's not the leader. That's a moderator. And that's what we need to decide. Are we moderators or are we leaders? But again, it goes to a more fundamental problem. It's because that leader is uncomfortable with the power, with the authority they have, the responsibility they have to make the call. And so they're ashamed. They're afraid to use it. Another example, half measures. When we make compromises in order to please people, one group says A, the other group says B. So the leader says, ah, okay, what we'll do is A, B. Half measures don't help. Now, sometimes they help. But when you do something half-heartedly and you never do it fully, it's never going to work. But why did we do that? Because I, I don't want to irritate anybody. See, these are examples of people who are being apologetic or ashamed or wary about their use of power. And why do they do that? Because they think the niceness thing is the Christian way. And they think that, okay, but good leadership it doesn't happen this way. 
Another example of this unintegrated use of power is when I use Christianity to practice being nice, but I get my leadership from other sources. I'll get my leadership from Kobe Bryant, from Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, from Elon Musk. I'll get my leadership from Bill Gates. I'll get my leadership from Machiavelli because that's where real leadership comes from. And that's coming from this mindset that Christianity doesn't have anything to say about how to use power. And so we'll go to lesser sources that are not good, that are not helpful to understand the use of power. I'm not saying that we can't read or benefit from books that aren't Christians. I think we can, but we need to have the right foundation first of all. Because no matter how good or rich those are, they're not going to be the best because they don't understand the fundamental wiring of this world. Let me give an example. When I was in college, I read this best-selling book about power. It intrigued me. The title intrigued me. It said uh, the Robert Greene's book, The 48 Laws of Power. The 48 Laws of Power. And it's been followed up since with the laws of mastery, the laws of seduction, you know, and, and stuff like that. And let me say something. For those of you who haven't read it yet, and if you're thinking about it, maybe you've seen it, it's got that crimson covered in a blue strip in the middle and the word power written in like this serif font right down the middle, written vertically. It's a terrible book for leadership. It is not, it is not a good view of power. It's a wrong view of power. Um, uh, it, it's great if you, if you want to be a jerk, it's great if you if you if you want to be a substandard powerful person, but it's it's not good. Some of it is good, you know. Law twenty eight interaction with boldness that that makes sense. Law twenty nine plan all the way to the end that makes sense. Law thirty five master the art of timing that's pretty good, but there are a bunch of terrible ones as well. Law number one never outshine the master because your master will be threatened by you and he will try to destroy you. That's a poor view of power. This view of power thinks that, you know, there's only one source. And if you get it from your master, then they will be threatened and they'll fight you back. What we're about to see in this podcast, is that's not what God means at all. Law number six, court attention at all costs. Law number seven, get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. These are terrible laws. This is not how power works. And not only is it wrong morally, it's wrong practically. It's not effective. It's not real power. See, this comes from people who look to other sources of power because they don't know how to integrate their faith with their leadership. What we want to do in this episode of the podcast is integrate our understanding of our faith, our relationship with God, with the use of power, with the expression of your strength, with the manifestation of your ability in your leadership. See, if we believe God wrote the world, He designed the world, He's the programmer of this world, it's His software, then He knows the best way to do things. And the more I know God's way of doing things, the, more, the better my life and my expression of life would be. So let's see how God uses power. And, you know, we almost titled this episode Playing God after the book Playing God, Redeeming the Gift of Power by Andy Crouch. And I'm pulling so much from it. Uh, I can't recommend the book enough. We actually might do a rundown of this book later on, uh, but we're months away from that. So let me say something to you. This is going to be a lot of quotes, okay? So 
if you want, you might want to re-listen to this several times. I really think you should go to the encleaders.ph website where the show notes are, and you can read the quotes while you're listening to this. You you know, if you want tweetable stuff, it's all there. And we'll tell you what the quotes are, you know, and the quotes are really from, from this book, Playing God by Andy Crouch, Redeeming the Gift of Power. And he addresses what, you know, the way I intro this, this topic, this Christian tendency to be apologetic, to be weird about this sense of power where, where I'm supposed to be nice. I know I'm supposed to be kind, but I don't know if I'm supposed to be strong. And so we know that we have to be strong somewhere, but we don't know how to connect that to our view of God, which is strange because God is strong. God is super strong. Let's see how God uses power. We're looking at Genesis chapter 1. Here's the first one. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Wow. That's power. In the beginning, there was nothing. And then God created everything. That's power. In the, in the book, Andy Crouch says, Power is the ability to make something of the world. To make something of the world. Later on, he quotes uh, Ken Myers, which... He, he quoted in, a, in an earlier book of his culture making where he says, culture is what human beings make of the world. Two senses of making in the world, the stuff we actually make, but also the meaning that we make from it. It's making stuff and attaching meaning and making sense of that stuff. And he says, power is simply the ability to participate in that stuff making, that sense making. That's what power is. And, and also he continues, what is powerlessness? It's being cut off from these two kinds of world making. That's really all that power means. Making something and making sense of that thing. And that's what God does. Before the creation of the world, the world is chaotic. The world is empty. The world is null and void. And then he says, he created the heavens and the earth. Now there's something. And that something has meaning. We see that God has no problem with using power. And the first truth we want to point out is that, is that power, when used by God, is used for creation, not destruction. That is the ultimate use of power. Creation, not destruction. You want to use your strength well? You want to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities well, your power well, your position, your title well? Use it for creation not destruction. How are you using your power today? In the book, um, and you really have to read the book. I'm going to give you a, a tiny taste of it, okay? But I'm, you really have to read the book to get more of it. But he goes into this really eloquent and so fun to read and super powerful way of describing how God just uses his power. What does he say? He says, let there be. It's so calm. It's so omnipotent you know here's what he says he says let there be does not have to assert power it assumes it it does not have to impose power it indwells it when the words let there be ring through the universe they accomplish very literally what they describe the creation of being where there was none before that's power god just says let there be let there be light, and there was light. 
Let there be a space between the waters. And there was a space between the waters. That's power. What is it? It's creative. It's calm. It's controlled. As opposed to destructive instead of creative. Agitated instead of calm. Out of control instead of being in control. See, very often when we think of power, we think of the bad kind and we think of this kind. Destructive power, agitated power, out of control power. That's a substandard power. That's not real power the way God shows it. Imagine a parent with a child. Just today I was playing with my one-year-old son, Manu, and I was throwing him around, you know, uh, and he was landing on the airbed and he would smile and look at me and he feels my power. But I'm in complete control. And it's not out of control. See, when we think of power for destruction, we, you know, that's what we have a bad feeling about. That's what we have a bad taste about. Like weaponry, right? Like fighting people, hurting people, putting people down. That is a bad example of leadership power. Not just because it's morally bad, but, but because it's inferior. It's substandard power. It's a show of power with a heart of weakness. It's insecurity. When you see a leader needing to, to shout and raise his voice and get mad and tear other people down, when you see a leader who's insecure, who, who insults people, that's not real power. It's a flex. But why do they need the flex? And so that should check our leadership as leaders. We should ask ourselves, do I have to do that? Did I have to lose my temper with my team? Did I have to use those words with my spouse? Did I have to say that to, to, in order to get them what I, to do what I wanted them to do? Why? How little is my power that I had to resort to that? Think about Jesus when he's about to be crucified and Pilate is getting frustrated. Pilate has the title, he has the authority, he's the positional leader, but he doesn't have power. He keeps ordering Jesus to speak to him, to answer him, and Jesus doesn't answer. So finally, in John 19, verse 10 to 11, Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? He's flexing. <laughs> He's trying to show, do you know, not know what I can do? And Jesus answered him, you would have no power, no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered you over to me has the greater sin. In talking about the, the one who delivered him over, he's talking about the, the Sanhedrin and Judas and all the religious officials who conspired. But he says, you're not the one with the ultimate authority. You can just hear the security in Jesus' voice, the complete control of his power. Because power is for creation, not destruction. How are you using your power and your strength today? Secondly, it's not just for creation and destruction. We see power is for the flourishing of others, not for the oppression of others. In the book, Andy Crouch says, power is for flourishing. This means power is a gift worth asking for seeking and should we receive it stewarding huh let's stop there power is a gift worth asking for have we asked for it have we thought to ask god for it or are we ashamed to ask god for it 
I know I can be sometimes. I'm ashamed to ask God for, for more money. I'm ashamed to ask God for, for favor and better members on, on my team sometimes. I just feel spoiled because I've really I've just been spoiled to work with really great people. So I'm like, okay, na ako, Lord. Why? Why not ask God for more so that you can use it for flourishing? Going back to Genesis 1, that's what God uses His power for. He doesn't just say, let there be, but He makes these things, these environments, these contexts that allow more of these things to multiply. Look at Genesis 1.11. Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruits, fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed according to its kind on the earth. Verse 20. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth. Verse 22, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts according to their kinds. What am I saying here? True power creates the space for people and things to flourish. It's not threatened by their freedom. It's not threatened by it and thinking it's a lack of order or wildness. It wants to release that wildness in a fruitful direction. That's what true power does. That's what God does in creation. Look at this quote from um, Playing God. The creator is not seeking a world full of pets. Individually domesticated animals bred to be attentive to the human masters. No. He delights in wildness, swarming and teeming. Teeming means being full of life are part of what makes the world good. The overflow and the excess of life. All of this actually, actually gives greater glory to God who breathed into existence the vast spaces of earth, sky, and sea. And where these creatures can team, T-E-E-M, not T-E-A-M, then would a meticulously tended backyard. The Creator loves teeming. What does this mean? What this means is that God in His power, because He's so in control, didn't see the need to micromanage all of these things and say, okay, how many birds will you have? Okay, I just want to make sure I have enough. Okay, how many uh, uh, plants will you have? Okay, just make sure that the plants and the birds... No, He is so powerful. He created the environment and then released life into all of these environments and that is a picture of his power okay joe let's get practical how does this look like for our team well if you're a leader what's more powerful that you have absolute micromanaged meticulous down to the last detail control of every aspect or that you're so powerful that you can use your power for flourishing, to release your team, to bring out their gifts and talents, and even their wildness, their uniquenesses, their, their, their idiosyncrasies, <laughs> what makes them weird, what makes them funny, what makes them maybe difficult, but in your strength of leadership, you can unite them. You're not threatened by that. What's a better team? Is it a team where everyone thinks the same and only the leader's opinion matters and only the leader's voice dominates? Or what about a team with no leadership and people just say whatever they want and don't have any guidance? Both of these teams are terrible. 
One is sterile. Walang buhay. Patay. The other one is chaos. Magkakawatak-watak yan. Wala rin ma-accomplish dyan. Instead, what does a strong team look like with strong and secure leadership? It seeks the flourishing of its members. It's not threatened by them. It wants them to speak up and can powerfully unify their varied voices into a common cause, resulting in mutual uplifting and betterment and bringing greater value to the world. That's what God did in creation. That's what God does today. And that's what you, the Christian leader, are, are called by God to bring. How are you bringing that? Power is for flourishing. See, a big part of flourishing is letting people lead also. Empowering them to lead. That's what God did. He didn't just make robots, but He made humans with our own abilities to participate in the creation. He left so much undone for us to do. Think about how much God said, okay, the raw materials are there, the resources are there. Figure it out. Make inventions, make culture, make art, build civilizations, build businesses. So much for us to do. He shaped the environment where we could lead and co-lead with Him. That's the highest level of leadership. Setting up the pieces, providing the tools and resources, and forming the team so that the team can work together. Not Him doing all the work and just us sitting back stupidly, ignorantly, uselessly. No, He uses His immense power to empower us. How are you as a leader using your power to empower others? See, very often we think, oh, if I empower others, I'm giving my power away. <laughs> That's not what God did. Did God give any of His power away when He gave it to us? No. It just created more people who would trust Him and be dependent on His power. Let me read that quote again, let there be. Uh, it, it's in the book. Uh, uh, he says, yet let there be also suggests a multiplication of power. New beings come into existence each of them with their own capabilities, their own potential and sphere of influence. Indeed, Andy Crouch continues, let there be bequeaths or gives power to others, making room for more power. By saying let there be, the Creator God makes room for more being, for more agents who could utter their own, let it be. What does this mean? God says, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be humans. And then he says, let us make man in our image. And then we could say, let there be. Let there be a new business here that provides for people even in this time of pandemic. Let there be jobs for the people, the daily workers that will feed them and provide for them. And they will be able to bring home a livelihood for their families. Let there be. Why would we be apologetic for power when God's the one who gives it and we should know how to use it? See, when we give power away, we actually multiply it. We don't lose it. Think of the people who have the most influence over you, the most power, if you will, over you, the people whose voices you value the most. They've given their power away. They've empowered you. That's why they have influence in your life. Whether it's your parents, your teachers, your mentors, they've given power to you. 
By helping you get to where you are, they multiplied your power. It wasn't a zero-sum game. You know that term in math, zero-sum game where, you know, anybody who get if you get one, then I lose one. No, power doesn't work that way. People who think that way, they think I have to take away your power so I can have some. I must reduce your power so other people can have. That's not how God uses power. That's not a view of the world that incorporates God. That's actually a very cynical view of the world. A very satanic view of the world. <laughs> Instead, we could give power away. Even in doing this podcast, for me, I've been so happy for the chance to do it. Why? Because I'm able to, to give what I've learned. I, I don't know if you've noticed like the number of people I'm quoting here because these aren't things that I've come up with on my own. Someone gave them to me and I'm happy to give it away. Now, if I'm thinking like Robert Greene's 48 Laws of Power, I would think law number three, conceal your intentions. Law number four, always say less than necessary. Law number 17, keep others in suspended terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. <laughs> it sounds just so pathetic now so insecure now no give it away in fact for me as i've shared these things in this podcast my power hasn't decreased it's grown i've been able to speak into other people's lives because of this but not just that other people have been empowered also i hear stories of young leaders using the leading in anxious time series in their families to gain influence and power and strength in their families, not to oppress, not for destruction, but for creativity and for flourishing. I hear leaders taking these insights and doing them in their own groups and adding and even correcting mistakes I've made. What happened? The power multiplies. And it comes back to me. And it blesses me. That's true power. That's how God uses power. When I'm insecure, I want to monopolize it. I'm afraid. I'm threatened. But when I look at God and I say, Lord, you're just giving it away because there's more where it came from and he commands us to develop our power as well. That should be your goal as a leader to see that developing happen. See, God has no problem with us looking to increase in our leadership for the right reasons. He, he even gave us that mandate. Andy Crouch points this out in the book. What did God tell humanity to do? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. What's his command? Grow in power and use it for flourishing. Use it for the right things. As leaders, that should be our goal. To develop our team, to help them work together, so that we can say the same thing. Be fruitful and multiply. I release you. I empower you. I set you loose. I want to see you walking in your gifts. That is power used for flourishing. Power is for creation, not destruction. Power is for flourishing and empowering others to flourish. But let's be honest here. You know, the reason why people have this wariness, kaya tayo nahihiya, kaya tayo nagkakaproblema sa, sa ganitong mga pananalita kasi parang we've seen it been abused, right? Power has a temptation, an allure, an intoxicating quality of like, oh wow, look at me with so much power. In the office, uh, Dwight Schrute, you know, in the beginning is given the power by the boss Michael Scott to determine who will work overtime and work over the weekend. 
and you can see Dwight. He's really loving it. He's really living it up. He's like, oh, I'm going to do this to Jim. And Jim says this quote that always comes to my mind. He says, this is the least amount of power that I've ever seen go to someone's head. In other words, Jim is saying, But we do that, don't we? I've fallen victim to that. Where I want to flex my power. I want to show that I'm the director. I'm the ganito. I'm the ganyan. My wife should submit. I am the husband. That's the tempting uh, side of power. And that, you know, there's a quote about it. It's very famous by a man named Lord Acton, who I really don't know other than this quote. But he says, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You've heard that quote, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's true. I, I, I can see his point, especially in the political sense. And that's why we need a separation of, uh, of powers in the political sense because power can corrupt. But let me say something. That's not true in every sense. Not every sense. If we believe that in every sense, absolute power corrupts absolutely, then God should be the most corrupted. We should say like, God, you, are, you have absolute power. You're omnipotent. You're omnipotently corrupt. You're omnicorruption, Lord. That's not true. What's the difference? And in the book, Andy Crouch makes another example that, that's actually a great one for us to, to think about. Is it true that absolute power corrupts absolutely? And he says, no. There are examples in the world. There are examples in human relationships of great power that are not corrupted. The example of parents. Think of a parent. The vast majority, for sure, there are bad parents, you know. But for the vast majority of parents, they have absolute power over their children. They can control their children's lives. They can, they, you know, they could kill their kids. But most parents don't. They love them. And in the book, Andy Crouch says, why are the vast majority of parents not corrupted by their tremendous power? And he answers, why? Because they are overtaken by love. It's almost a precise inversion of Lord Acton's observation. The more power we have over our children, the more we are willing to sacrifice for them. I see this in my wife. She's so frustrated with, with the stuff she has to do with taking care of the kids, but at the same time, she can't stop. She has absolute power over Manu's life, and yet she just uses it to serve. Why? Andy Crouch continues, the more we are willing to sacrifice for them, love transfigures power. Absolute love transfigures absolute power. And power transfigured by love, transformed by love, changed by love, redeemed by love. Power transfigured by love is the power that made and saves the world. Christian leader, don't be ashamed of your power. Use it. Use it for creation. Use it for flourishing. Don't be ashamed of your gifts, of your title, of your position, or however, whatever you have. Don't be ashamed of it. But here's how we can use it well. For power to be creative, not destructive. For power to be for flourishing, not oppression. Power must be tempered by love. Must be transformed by love. Power with love 
is a force for healing, is a force for good in the world. See, the people don't believe that when they don't have a relationship with God. This is why, the, this is the, the, the advantage that someone who has a faith in God, in the creator of the heavens and the earth has, because they don't see power as automatically destructive. See, people who don't have that worldview about God will automatically think, well, well power is just bad. You have people like the, you know, uh, Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, and, and Michel Foucault, who I, I studied in college, and for them, they're just so cynical. All power is oppressive. All strength is a threat. No one really loves anyone else. No one really supports anyone else. Everybody's just using one another. And what you need to do is use somebody else and stop other people from using you. That's basically how they see the world. But no, there is good in the world. Like the example of parents. And the secret is that power is tempered by love. If you believe that power is always bad, then why do you want it? Then why do you use it? Then you enter into a world where positive relationships are impossible and everything must be seen with suspicion. And it's always a game of someone getting ahead of you and manipulating you. And even me doing this podcast, I'm trying to manipulate you. I just want to use you. But if you believe in a God with absolute power and absolute love who made you in His image to be like Him, and in Jesus who died for your sins, to redeem that image of God in you, then you can believe that there is a good use of power. And it's when it's tempered by love. Andy Crouch says this, power is nothing, worse than nothing, without love. But love, without power, is less than it was meant to be. Love without the capacity to make something of the world, without their ability to respond to and make room for the beloved's flourishing is frustrated love. What is the point of loving someone? If we have absolutely no power to help, to serve, to give, to provide, to protect. But power with love together is an amazing combo. The quote continues, This is why the love that is the heartbeat of the Christian story, the Father's love for the Son and through the Son for the world, is not simply a sentimental feeling or a distant, ethereal, eth theological truth, but has been signed and sealed by the most audacious act of true power in the history of the world, the resurrection of the Son from the dead. Wow. First of all, just let me pause. Ang galing niya magsulat, di ba? Ang ganda. You have to read the book, Playing God by Andy Crouch, Redeeming the Gift of Power. That is the true best use of Christian leadership, of power and strength. How does that look for us? Loving, desiring the flourishing of your team. Desiring to have a positive impact on the world through your team. And loving the people, like the customer or the beneficiaries, even if you don't see them right now, but working today out of love for them. Loving the person, even if you correct them, even if you fire them, you love them. Even if you're reassigning them, you love them. Jesus, in, in the story of the rich young ruler, it says the rich young ruler talked to him and before Jesus dropped this bomb on him, this correction, it says Jesus loved him. Love the people that you have power over. 
love the people that you're called to serve. Three truths about the use of power that we see when we look at God. Number one, power is for creation, not for destruction. Number two, true use of power results in the flourishing of other people that they themselves can use the power. It's multiplied. And number three, we get there when our power is tempered by love. As a Christian, you look at the cross, you look at the resurrection, you look at the empty tomb, we should see absolute power and absolute love combined. Some applications for us as we end this uh, episode. Number one, thank God for your strength, for your ability, for whatever power you have. It comes from Him. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be apologetic. Now, that's the difference between being a jerk and flaunting it, obviously. I'm not ashamed. God made me this way. No, you're just being a jerk. Okay, there's proper ways to communicate it. But in your heart, in your heart, don't be ashamed of that. Your skill, your talent. You know, people have called me privileged because of how I've grown up, because of my family. I don't deny it. Of course, I am privileged. And I'm grateful to God for it. And the biggest privilege I have, there's a lot. You know, I grew up in a great family. Uh, I'm thankful for the mentors I've had, the opportunities I've been given. There's a lot. I have so much privilege. But the biggest privilege, the biggest strength and ability I have is I have been made in the image of God. And I have been redeemed by Jesus. And I have the Holy Spirit. If you've been listening to this the whole time and you're thinking, well, I don't have any power. Yes, you do. If you're a follower of Jesus, yes, you do. Don't ever think you don't. And that's part of the goal of this mini-series. We'll talk more about that in the next two episodes. Number one, thank God for your strength, for your ability, for your power. Secondly, use it to serve others. Whatever you have, don't just be thankful. In your thankfulness, use it to serve and help others. Help them flourish. Help them discover their own power. Give that power away and watch it multiply and watch it, it will not be gone from you. It will, in fact, increase overall and help the world, bless the community. Thank God for your strength, ability, and power. Number two, use it to serve others. And finally, cultivate your strength, ability, and power. Learn to grow what God has given you. And that's why, you know, the, the groups that we have are important. That's why relationships are important. That's why episode one of this podcast is this podcast is not enough. Because if you just listen to me, but you don't have a group of people that you're talking to, that you're processing with, then it's not going to grow. But when you have other people in your life speaking into you saying, hey, you know what? I've seen you. You, you actually have a gift in this area. Hey, you know what? You're good at this, but, but you actually undermine it by this weakness. Let me help you with that. When you do that and you grow in your strength, you grow in your power, then you can use it more for helping other people. Three truths that we've said power is for creation, not for destruction. That's the ultimate form of it. The ultimate form of power is for flourishing of other people, not for oppression. And thirdly, it's tempered by love. When power is matched by love, it is an amazing force of good in the world. And when you've got that, we thank God for it. For it. We acknowledge it comes from Him. We use it to serve others and we cultivate and grow it as well. This has been Faith and Leadership, How to Use Power, Looking at God. And our goal here is to integrate our faith with our leadership. 
So that's it. This is the second episode in this mini-series, in this podcast. I really encourage you to go back over the show notes on encleaders.ph. You can see all of those quotes there. I also encourage you to get the book for yourself. There is so much more in that book. He has these great chapters on idolatry, on injustice, how the two are linked, and how we need to fight it in ourselves, and how God, in His power, overcomes that. Oh gosh, it's just really great. Um, we might do it in 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 you know a few months from now, but just get the book already while you can. Playing God by Andy Crouch. Again, this has been the ENC Leaders Podcast. If you want to reach me, Joseph Bonifacio, you can find me on Instagram at, at @campusjoe, and I only share that Instagram handle on this <laughs> on this podcast. So if you message me there, I'll know you're coming from here. I've been thankful for the people who've messaged me. I've had a few calls about it. It's been really great processing, even um, good adjustments for me. So yeah, don't don't be afraid to reach out. God bless you, and happy leading. I pray that you thank God for the gifts and the strength He's given you. You use it to serve others and that you even cultivate it so that we can be the leaders God's called us to be. God bless you.